Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. As the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation at the judgment and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. I recently had to purchase a new laptop, and I really can't complain much because my old laptop lasted for about nine years, and I would say I certainly got my money's worth out of it. But as I was going through that whole process of deciding which laptop to buy as a substitute or replacement, it reminded me of what I was taught in sales school many, many years ago. It doesn't matter if we're buying a laptop, a car, groceries, pencils, shoes, clothes. It really doesn't matter. We all complete a mental cycle when we're deciding to purchase things. It's known in the sales world as the buying cycle. And mentally, we start with the step of recognizing we have a need. The second step is desiring a solution. The third was determine the best solution. That's usually where price comparison, quality comparison ends up being. And then finally we make the purchase. I indeed completed this process myself in my recent purchase of the laptop. I recognized I needed one. I desired to solve the need that I had. And then I went shopping, configuration, comparison, and all that stuff, and finally made the purchase. I think the same is true for our spiritual lives as well. I think there's a spiritual buying cycle that follows the same exact steps. First, we have to recognize we have a need. Then we desire a solution. And then we determine what the best solution is. And so we look at our scripture reading in Luke 11. And Jesus is pointing out some things that we should take notice of. First of all, what is the Queen of the South? And why is she so important? What do we really know about her? Well, the story can be found in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 1-12. through 12. If you'll turn there with me. 
Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with difficult questions. She had a very large retinue with camels carrying spices and a large amount of gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was on her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from Solomon which he did not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house which he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his ministers and their attire, his cupbearers and their attire, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You surpassed the report that I heard. How blessed are your men! How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom! Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on his throne as king for the Lord your God, because your God loved Israel, establishing them forever. Therefore he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great amount of spices and precious stones. There had never been spice like that which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. The servants of Huram and the servants of Solomon who brought the gold from Ophir also brought algum trees and precious stones. From the algum trees the king made steps for the house of the Lord and for the king's palace, and lyres and harps for the singers, and none like that was seen before in the land of Judah. King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all her desire which she requested, besides a return for what she had brought to the king. Then she turned and went to her own land with her servants. This Queen of Sheba that we know very little about decided that she had a need. She wanted to know more about this guy that she's been hearing about that was so wise. And obviously, she wanted some questions that she had answered. And so she desired a solution and made the trek. What did she give? Well, first of all, she gave herself. She, as said in verse 6, wanted to experience the report personally. She didn't want to take anybody else's word for it. Secondly, she gave of her time, her comfort, and even her safety. She traveled a very great distance. And traveling in those days with that type of cargo, set yourself up for attack by thieves and enemies. And when she got to Solomon, as we're told in verse 9, she gave of her possessions. She shared her material possessions. In fact, she gave to Solomon stuff that had never been seen in the land before. 
And Solomon accepted those gifts. What did she get in return? Well, she got a taste of Solomon's wisdom, as pointed out in verses 1 through 3. She got a taste of Solomon's worship in verses 3 to 4, we're told. She got a taste of Solomon's blessings, as pointed out in verses 7 through 8. She got a taste of Solomon's giving, 9 through 12 tell us that. She got a taste of Solomon's fame. The whole scripture, 1 through 12, makes that very, very clear to us. In fact, I would say, the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South, when she decided to make this purchase, she got much more than she gave. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. We'll look at verses 1 through 14. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Nahum's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send the letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. It happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? 
So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Notice in this story that the king of Aram gets word from a girl from Israel. There's a person in Israel that could cure Naaman. And Naaman obviously had a need. And he recognized it. He was a leper. And he desired a solution. And so they go and determine at that time the best solution would be go to see this person in Israel. And so they take 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes, and a letter saying, Hey, here's this stuff I'm willing to pay you if you would just cure my servant. But the king of Israel thought it was a trick and asked, Am I God? I can't cure anybody. And this is where Elisha comes into play. He hears what's going on and says, Hey, send this guy over to me. Now, Elisha doesn't even go meet this person face to face. He sends a messenger out and says, Here's what you need to do. Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman got mad. Suddenly, this didn't seem like it was the best solution. Suddenly, it didn't seem like he was willing to pay the price. He questions, there's a lot better rivers in Damascus than there is in Israel. Why can't I just go wash and be clean there? So he doesn't make the purchase. But thankfully for him, one of his servants come to him and ask him a very good question. If that prophet would have asked you to do some great thing, would you have done it? He asked you to do something simple. The price is small. Are you not willing to pay that price? And so Naaman does. And when he dips himself seven times in the Jordan, as he was instructed to do, God cures him of his leprosy. He actually determined in the long run to indeed make the purchase. Let's look at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, 
No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Nahum the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things, and they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst he went his way. Jesus picked up the scripture from Isaiah, letting those from his hometown know who it was they were listening to. But they rejected him. And he goes on to teach how Elijah was not sent to God's people, but rather a widow in Sidon. And he goes on to teach the story that we just read in 2 Kings chapter 5, an army commander from Syria not necessarily an ally of Israel, was led to the prophet by a Jewish slave girl. That same person rejected the simplicity of what he was told to do in order to be cleansed. Elisha didn't even come to see him. The Jordan River? Seven times? Yet, proclaimed, there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. 2 Kings 5 and 15. Let's take a look at yet another example of this spiritual buying cycle being played out. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. When he had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And the centurion slave who was highly regarded by him, was sick and about to die. When he had heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them, And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, Go. And he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my slave do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. 
When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord, and they do not understand his purpose. Micah chapter 4 verse 12 Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31. Notice in this story that those two scriptures are very clear as we read the story of the centurion and Jesus. A greater one than Solomon is here. When Jesus said that, he wasn't just being egotistical. He was stating a fact. Jesus had greater wisdom than Solomon. Jesus was an example of greater worship than Solomon. He gave greater blessings than Solomon. In fact, I would argue that he was a greater giver than Solomon in that he gave his own life for you and for me. And as we see in our stories, he had greater fame than Solomon. Jesus is greater. And Jesus is here. Jesus is the best solution at the best price that gives the best quality with the best warranty. Won't you make the purchase today? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.